Erica. Hello, Stephen. Wow, that was quite a greeting. Well, I just wanted to um, sound chipper because it's the new year and this is our first podcast officially that it started in 2018, not ended in 2018. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What were you thinking? Was it was you were thinking there was an error in my calculations? I don't know. I guess I forgot what day it is and what we've done. And it feels like we just recorded not that long ago, but I guess technically the last time we said hello, Stephen, hello, Erica, it was last year. It was last year. It was on New Year's Eve. We watched the entirety of the Macra Terror. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, now I remember. I don't. I Once we, we started this episode, I'm going, mm-hmm. for some reason, I, yeah, what the last episode that was in my mind was the moon base for yeah. some odd reason. That's the problem with watching an entire story at once. That's yeah. that's going to be trouble if we continue to do that. But we still might. Who knows? We're, we get lazy or not lazy, as the case may be. But we usually like to keep it to one episode because that's the way it was intended to be watched as it was originally made. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yes, it was definitely that's the way yeah. it was intended to be made. I just mean, the, like, we don't necessarily care about keeping it to one episode no. that much. No, but we but we do like it, especially when you get sleepy and mm-hmm. stuff and you have other podcasts, other TV watching to do for podcast homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a binge and took a, took a little break for the doctor who sorry, travelers <laughs> <laughs> travels will be there. It's another time travel series. So mm-hmm. it'll be there when you get back. Cause obviously they mm-hmm. travel in time. Um, speaking of traveling in time, doctor who travels to what looks to be like the present day or something close to, in the Faceless Ones, episode one. That's what we just watched. This this was so weird watching this. How so? Because this is, I think, the first time ever that I have watched an episode of Doctor Who that felt 100% completely just fresh and new. I, I realized I don't know anything about the Faceless Ones. It's, it seems to be a really, like, not talked about story. I mean, it. I, kn- I knew the title. Like, if you had said The Faceless Ones, I would be like, yes, that is that is the name of a Doctor Who story. I might have even known that it was a Patrick Troughton story, more by process of elimination than anything else. But I, I don't know anything about this at all. Like, nothing. Nothing. So I'm just watching this, just having no idea what's going to happen, having no... I don't know anything about anything and it's just it's really kind of cool so I can't I have I, I have to, I'm I have to keep spoiler free basically yeah. please do because I don't want to like I don't yeah. want to know what's coming I mean normally normally I'm not super picky about that but in this case this is just this I mean maybe it will happen again but I suspect that this might be the like the one and only time in this whole podcast where I'm watching something totally cold this might be like a one-off here that's exciting uh, I want to say that I don't remember um, when things were found, but I want to say the Faceless Ones episode three uh, existed before episode one, mm-hmm. because for some reason episode three seems more familiar to me than episode one, as if, but I know that Faceless Ones episode one was recovered, oh crikey, before like uh, I, I, I lose track of the timeline is what I mean to say. I don't, and there's no reason I don't think why Faceless Ones Episode 1 should be more um, less familiar than Episode 3. But for the most part, this time around, I was like sort of watching and going, huh, this doesn't seem overly familiar, <laughs> but I do 
remember bits of it as I watch it, but for some reason, th- three sticks out. The other one that exists, but anyway. Huh. Yeah, on uh, on Verity, uh, Liz is, is often, you know, she often wails in complaint that Deb and, and actually all the rest of us, uh, Deb and Tansy and I have have because I think Lynn and I think Kat have seen everything but um but that there's that there are stories of Doctor Who out there that we haven't seen and Liz gets very jealous that uh that there's (laughs) that that's a thing that we have you know because she never gets to watch any of those stories again for the first time Mm -hmm. um and and yeah and that's exciting because you know at some point we'll get to the point where it's the last uh John Pertwee story that I haven't seen. I'm not sure exactly which one that will be, Ooh. but I I know a decent amount about many of the stories, and just the fact that I'm so clueless about this is I I didn't expect to feel this this way. It's weird. I mean, I'm not saying like I love the story, mm-hmm. but I love the feeling of watching this story. It's fun. isn't it fun to watch? Like I'm I look forward to. I guess I'm hoping that it happens. The next missing episode to be returned, <laughs> because even though I might have heard recons and stuff mm-hmm. like that, to actually see something mm-hmm. for the first time, it's like there's a certain free song. You're very excited to to see it for the first. Well, yeah, I've got yeah. that. I've got yeah. that coming out for plenty of stories. I suppose that's true, but uh, so that but that's the only way, the only comparable way that people like me and Liz can sort of you know have with something like this. Um, well, let's see what we can talk about. There, This is notable, this episode, because it's the first uh, contribution from a writer known as Malcolm Hulk. Have you heard of the word, uh, the, the name Malcolm Hulk before? Yes. 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 I saw his name and I was like, oh, Malcolm Hulk. It didn't occur to me that, yeah, duh, we're watching this from the beginning. We haven't seen his name yet. So this is the first. You know, I I suspect that I've listened to... Did, has Doctor Who the Writer's Room done all of the Malcolm Hulk stories yet? I think they covered off Malcolm Hulk in the first... I think the reason they started the podcast yeah, is to talk about Malcolm Hulk. Which means I've actually listened to a podcast about this story and still remember nothing. And I'm going to try to not bring bring up anything in my memory from, from that episode. I'll have to go back and listen. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. it must have been. Like so four years ago. A long time ago. Good grief. Okay, yeah. no wonder I've forgotten. But uh, but yeah, okay, cool. The first Malcolm Hulk story. Yeah. So it'll have a message, possibly. Who knows? Um, Robert Holmes' first episode didn't necessarily <laughs> <laughs> match his later output. This, uh, this is co-written with David Ellis, who I think... I don't know the full story of this. I should, I should read up on stories before we watch them. But the thing is with Lazy Doctor Who uh, is it? Yeah. That that would that would be untrue to the title of the podcast. You know what I find it very interesting. <laughs> That's all. Um, this episode, uh, as you can probably tell from the location footage, was filmed. Well, maybe you couldn't tell, but it was filmed at Gatwick Airport. Actually, a, ma- a major location shoot at the Gatwick Airport, both on the uh, sort of the tarmac a little bit, and then a little bit in the terminal towards the end of episode one. You saw there, yeah. That's exciting. I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold it back. I'm gonna be honest. I made a time flight joke immediately. <laughs> you did. And d- there is a slight, because I mean, time flights a Peter Davison episode uh, story coming up many years from now. Um, <laughs> but it starts out in a similar way where people like sort of go, "What a police box landing on the tar back, that sort of thing. It's yeah. <laughs> a little callback there, maybe. A little bit. Uh, what else I was gonna say something about location, 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 location. No. Gatwick, Heathrow. 
Earth. So for the, like the the War Machines was like pretty big at the time because it was like set in contemporary Earth for the first time since basically the first episode. You can count the Planet of Giants did, but they're all little in that episode. So this is kind. Of, this feels weird at the time. Was like, oh, this is like Doctor Who in present day, which when you watch it in context with everything else that comes before it, it's it's very new and exciting. You know. Yeah, it makes me think it's it's very interesting. And I mean, obviously, this uh, what I'm about to say has uh, both a Watsonian and Doyleist reasoning behind it. I'll Yay! go into that in a second. Um, but I find it fascinating that the TARDIS, you know, the, the Doctor can't control where the TARDIS goes, mm-hmm. so it's it's random. And in theory, the TARDIS could go literally anywhere in, in time and space, like anywhere. And yet it has ended up on Earth in, quote-unquote, present-day multiple times yeah. multiple times which seems sort of unlikely so so the doyleist reason uh doyleist meaning from the uh from the point of view of the real world us mm-hmm. um for example arthur conan doyle writing uh, sherlock holmes the doyleist reason is well <laughs> this is earth and that's where we make the tv show and we want to have some episodes you know shot in our world yeah. more more than just once um the watsonian so like the in-story reason is never as far as i know is never specified so that's kind of an interesting thing that you can totally totally run your headcanon in many different directions mm-hmm. like why does the tardis end up quote unquote randomly on earth so many times that's like statistically super <laughs> impossible yeah like just just not really a thing so does the tardis really like earth does the tardis know the doctor likes earth is there some sort of force that's pulling the tardis to the earth maybe these things are covered in one of the novels i don't know i just think it's a neat neat thing to think about well there is that great line in the doctor's wife um, from Matt Smith's time on the show, where this, you know, the, the, when the TARDIS is, is part of Idris, and she says, you know, I've, you know, the Doctor complains, you never take me where I want to go, but yes, but I take you where you need to go, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a great little headcanon, you know, why does the Doctor never go where he wants uh-huh. to go because the TARDIS is doing it? Yeah, so apparently they needed to go to. Uh, the airport tarmac here yeah. at Gatwick, which, I mean, obviously the TARDIS was right because, you know, somebody got <laughs> electrocuted with a laser gun. The thing that just immediately made me kind of roll my eyes and shake my head was that uh, they're getting out of the TARDIS. If they had gotten out of the TARDIS and locked the door and then the airplane came at them, mm-hmm. okay, sure, run. But they were still, like, coming out the door. They could have yeah. easily just gone back in, pulled the lever, dematerialized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it seemed like a weird thing to just get out and run away, especially especially looking at the show from our angle many years ahead where the doctor's bond with his TARDIS is so much stronger than it was yeah. at this time. Uh that uh that like the the idea of the doctor abandoning the TARDIS um just cuz there's an airplane coming just seems very silly. But but at the time, yeah, it made perfect sense. So I'm not I'm not actually knocking it, but it it just it threw me out of the story for a second like really and then the policeman comes and the doctor yells scatter which i guess is a very second doctorish thing to do but i don't know and then okay and then this is the part that gets me is that the doctor wants to find an authority figure and report this to them Mm -hmm. i don't understand that at all and i hope that there is either going to be a reason for it or the story is going to leave leave some headcanon space open for it because we've talked about how this is sort of the you know 
anti-authority doctor. Also, this guy, the doctor immediately determines, because he's the doctor and he's smart, determines that this guy was not killed with a gun. He was electrocuted, and yet Polly saw it done with a gun. And he says, you know, no technology that's been, you know, developed on mm-hmm. Earth. So why is he involving the local authorities who know diddly and squat about that sort of thing? I don't get it. And I, like I said, I don't know if that's going to be explained or if there's going to be room for explanation in my head, but I'm I'm not digging that. That is odd now that you, now that you say that, because mm-hmm. I, if there was a body, you know, and not m- murdered under like suspicious alien circumstances... Mm-hmm. Then I could see why he'd want to go to someone totally. in authority. Yeah. Totally, that that would make perfect sense. But maybe he's just not as familiar with current day Earth. You know, we just met, and this is his first time. That you know, this is only like the second time that we've seen since the first episode that the Doctor has been actually on present day Earth. So perhaps he might have. Then he's also like sort of like shushing Jamie every time he says oh we came out a big ray gun and a big yeah. TARDIS and all that yeah yeah and and like you know and he says specifically Earth doesn't have this technology yeah so it just it seems out of character yeah so unless the story gives me a really solid reason I'm going to say this is one of those cases where the script says it because the script <clears throat> says it like mm-hmm. you know they just they need the doctor and Jamie to have some hijinks at uh, immigration desk five and <laughs> And because of that, that's why the doctor, for some reason, just wants to see an authority figure. I mean, who knows? This is so weird that I don't know what's going to happen. I know. But, you know, maybe maybe this is all part of his, his wacky second doctory grand plan. Uh, and he wants to report it to somebody in authority just to see how much the people in authority actually know about what's going on. You know, that's not a bad that's not a bad line of, of, of questioning is to just go straight to the top, see... If the head honcho is in on this in any way, so I don't know, maybe the doctor's just feeling him out to see if he's he's complicit. Complicit commandant. <laughs> complicit commandant. Oh. This is so exciting now. I am so looking forward to what. I was wondering how this this story would play out with. It's a six part story. I'll say that oh. right now. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. We're not watching it all in one night. Oh no, I don't think we'll even watch no. another one. No, because you have t- uh, podcast homework to do. But but there's and vodka and vodka. <laughs> there's there's lots to that to look forward to then in this story, mm-hmm. uh, which I I guess I will. Well, I wouldn't spoil anything anyway, but I'll I'll totally save everything for future episodes to come. Uh, I will ask you about a player little game called Spot the Actor, because <laughs> this this episode is rampant with mm-hmm. actors that you may recognize. Did you, Erica, recognize any of the guest actors in today's episode of Doctor Who? I thought some of them looked very familiar, but I didn't see anybody and go, oh, that's so-and-so from such-and-such. The woman with the blonde hair looked really familiar, and um, there weren't that many women's names in the credits, so I'm thinking it's Wanda Bentham? You are correct. Okay. Um, And, I mean, I think the only thing that I really know her from is being Benedict Cumberbatch's mom and she was in a later episode of Doctor Who as well, right? Two later episodes of Doctor Who. She in The Robots of Death? No. Okay, then I'm getting my bombshells mixed up. What what else was she in? You tell me. Wanda Ventham. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, this will tie in because uh, she will be in The Image of the Fendal um, later on. She is also in um, Time of the Ronnie. Where her husband, Bayes, is played by one Donald Pickering. 
Oh, whose name popped up in the credits, and yes. I said, why does that name look familiar? Why do I know Donald Pickering? He plays Captain Blade in this. Mm-hmm. You've seen him already. He was um, he was one of the conspirators in episode six of The Keys of Marinus. That's why he looked familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe I remembered somebody's face from The Keys of Marinus. I feel amazing and awesome right now. That is, I'm very impressed, actually. That's quite something. Well done. Yeah. Well, he's got very distinctive features. Yeah. Uh, Wanda Ventham, uh, also around this time, this is 1967, uh, has been or will be in uh, an episode of The Prisoner. Oh, which episode? She, uh, she wears a hat <laughs> that, and a cape. That does not narrow it down, nor does that narrow it down. What is that episode? Is it I think Change of Mind? It, you don't, it doesn't matter. You don't have to tell me because I'm not going to remember well enough to be able to put yeah. a, a face together. But, you know, wearing a hat and a cape for a woman in The Prisoner is like wearing shoes. <laughs> like They all wear hats and yeah. most of them wear capes. It's bugging me now, though. Why well, I can't remember it. We, we recorded our episodes of In the Village like months ago at this point folks so this is why we don't remember yeah that's true i don't have it fresh in my mind but now that you say that i do remember talking about her on in the village which is probably why her face seemed so fresh and familiar um and like super familiar because it was her from the same time period Mm -hmm. i'm surprised then perhaps you didn't recognize uh the actor who played the commandant oh he also looked familiar yeah uh but i like and he he looks familiar, but he looks familiar in just a <laughs> such a you know s- stodgy British way right. that I feel like I could think about it for a really long time and not come up with it because it's it's it, he he's just very British. All right, I will give you three hints. Oh, A, B, and C. Oh, was he the uh, was he the guy who was the doctor in that who was no? He was number two was number in A, B, and C, <gasps> oh, and okay. in the general. That's that is why he looked. Familiar. Colin Gordon. Yeah. Okay. He was in he was in color there. I'm going yeah. in my defense in my pathetic pathetic defense. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. I would like to point out also in my defense that I have had a stiff drink. Ciroc vodka was on sale. I'm sorry. There's one other uh, Doctor Who guest actor. I don't. This is a bit of a deeper cut because it has yet to happen. But did you recognize the uh, the passport control border agent? Totally. Uh, again, I can't tell you where from, but I was just like that guy. There's something about that guy. He looked super, super familiar. It just like not just his face, but the way that he talked and mm-hmm. moved his mannerisms and stuff. So yeah, he. I, I figured I must know him from somewhere. What if I gave you the name Leela? I'm pretty sure that wasn't Louise Jameson. No, uh, but Leela. In, at the oh end of Oh my god, is it uh, Andred? You got it! Andred <laughs> from the Invasion of Time. Christopher Tranchel. Christopher okay. Tranchel. No yeah. wonder. I didn't recognize him without his dorky helmet. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> got it. Okay. So uh, I, I feel better about that now because, yes, it makes perfect sense that he would look the most familiar, probably, mm-hmm. of anybody because I love Invasion of Time. And okay, I still don't ship Leela and Andred, but whatever. I still, at least I recognize him. There you go. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fun? Oh, this episode's <laughs> full of people like that. <laughs> People who will be or have been in Doctor Who, yeah. Well, speaking of somebody who uh, is in Doctor Who, we have uh, Annika Wills as Polly with long hair again. Is she wearing a wig? I think she's wearing a wig. It looks it looks wiggy. Yeah, a little bit wiggy. It's very nice. It's like a pretty wig, but um, and also I am so excited by the end of it where she just doesn't, you know, she was processed, whatever that means. I know. And now doesn't remember them. And I mean, if 
she hadn't been wearing exactly the same clothes, I would have wondered if this was like a, a body double or, you know, a, a, a magical universe twin like we see many times in Doctor Who. Right. But no, she's wearing exactly the same clothes. So I'm I'm fairly convinced that it is Polly and that she's been messed with. Yeah. Processed. Uh, and so that she doesn't remember the doctor and Jamie. And I thought Annika Will's performance is really good. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what happened. This is very exciting. Mm-hmm. I, oh. I have another thing to say. Not about Polly, though. So yeah. Continue if you were going to talk about uh, it. I was going to uh, offer one uh, correction really quickly just because I was reminded of it when I thought of the Crotons earlier. Steve Banford corrected me on Twitter when I said last episode that after the Macroterra, there's only one more four-part story, and that's Tomb of the Sidemen. I was wrong. It was the Crotons as well mm-hmm. as a four-part story. There, that bit of business put to bed. What did you want to say? Uh, I just wanted to give some props to Ben. I really liked the uh, the moment where he sneaks into the Chameleon Tours warehouse and um, the guy is like, are, are you an employee of the airport? And Ben was just like, he doesn't miss a beat. Yeah. Like it's for a split second. And he's just, oh yeah, yeah, I am. And like he, and not only that, not only does he say yes, but he slides right into, it's my first day and I got lost, man. Mm-hmm. Can't you just show me the way out? It's like, go Ben. That was a really good moment. And his hair is looking particularly fine in this episode. I, I admit, I did notice the hair and I mm-hmm. thought that's, uh, it's got like a sort of a forward swoop going on here. It's like, I am I am convinced that Justin Bieber stole everything that's good about himself from Michael Craze as Ben. You know, the first time I ever actually watched a Justin Bieber performance mm-hmm. was in the UK when we went to London a couple of years ago. He was on the Graham Norton show or something like that. I thought, because, oh, you know, the novelty of watching BBC One on the BBC, on the TV in England. is thought, oh, it's Justin Bieber. I actually don't mind this song. And there was Justin Bieber on the TV. And I thought, he's from Canada, but I'm watching for the first time in the UK. So... The connection, for some reason, the connection. <laughs> now I have more of a connection to Justin Bieber in the UK than mm-hmm. to Canada. I'm shocked that you managed to get through so many years in Canada without actually seeing the kid perform, and then we go to England, and that's where you watch him. Everyone assumes that everyone in Canada does nothing but watch and chronicle performances of Celine Dion, of Rush, of Justin Bieber. This is something that does not happen rest of the world okay I, I mean it's just one of those like he just seems ubiquitous even in the united states i think he was more ubiquitous in the u.s before like he kind of broke mm-hmm. like he wasn't like a hit in canada and then went to the states as far as i know but of mm-hmm. course music is none of my business so <laughs> you might be wrong yeah. about that but I, I don't know just like you know i i had seen kelly clarkson perform um she from Canada? No, no, no. Oh. Like in in the states, even though I I don't know. I'm just picking a random pop star. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, can I talk about this? Is a I'm amazed we talking about this much about the faceless ones. Um, <laughs> episode one. But uh, speaking of music, two things about the music. The music for this, the opening titles for this, of course, are the new opening graphics, but still the old music but it wasn't the old music i noticed i don't i don't know if i noticed this on the macro terror the four episodes because that's when the graphics premiered um but there is at the beginning of the william hartnell titles you know when there's a little little blade of comes at the very and there's that sound that i just did as part of it but there was no at the beginning of these titles it was just without i'd never noticed that before so they cut they cut that out or put a different version of the theme on for this version because 
uh, in later versions, there's the shh, but it happens later on, and it wasn't even in there for this one. So I was very interested to see that. I will, that's my one spoiler, <laughs> is that this is the last episode with that music, because next week, episode two, um, is when the new version of the music premieres that matches better with the uh, the the new titles. And second, second minute music is... The music in this is like there's like these just sort of like low ominous radiophonic workshop tones, which led a very spooky atmosphere to the whole thing. What did, did you notice it at all? I I didn't. Okay. Now that you say that, like I'll probably try to notice in in the next one. But mm-hmm. yeah, and the fact that I didn't notice is not necessarily a bad thing because I don't always nope. notice the music. So I I definitely got that that vibe from mm-hmm. it. So. While I didn't consciously notice it, I think subconsciously it did exactly what it was supposed to do and worked for me. Oh, good. Excellent. I'm so excited. You know, you said you never heard about the faceless ones or very little at all anyway. Um, And now all of a sudden we have five more episodes of uh, interesting excitement to look forward to. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But we can't do it tonight because you have other podcast homework to do. So that'll have to wait for another night. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. We're we're lazy. This is how we do it. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I just I I don't like to disappoint you or our listeners. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. <laughs> we love our listeners. We love our listeners. <laughs> uh anything else that you want to say about the Faceless Ones episode 1 before I go back to watching Eric McCormack? No, I think I'm good. I'm going to save all my the rest of my thoughts for the rest of the story as we watch it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Me too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.